You're listening to Comedy Central. Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Live from Comedy Central's World News Headquarters in New York, The Daily Show with Trevor Noah presents World War D. Preparate para algunos más mal español. Part 2. Here's the The second night of the Democratic debates ended just moments ago, and we are coming to you live from New York, ladies and gentlemen. That's right, we are completely live. I can prove it. This is how I can prove it. You see, it's a newspaper. Anyway, (laughs) here we are, night two of the Democratic debates. And there has been so much excitement around these debates. Basically, everybody has been watching them. And I mean everybody. Hey, Twitter world, it's me, yours truly, sitting at my house (laughs) waiting to watch this debate, to hear a bunch of people who think they're capable of running our country. It should be interesting, because to be honest, I I don't know most of these guys, but I'm interested to hear what they have to say, and I think every American should be watching this. So, I guess we got about 38 minutes to go, so won't be long now. Take care. Oh, man. (laughs) Dude. O.J. kills me. (laughs) Allegedly, allegedly. Because I love how, I love how he just tries to act like he's a completely normal guy, right? Because he's not a normal guy. He's one of the greatest running backs of all time. What are you doing? (laughs) No, but seriously though, I found this video super suspicious, right? Part of me thinks O.J. was just doing this to try and set up an alibi. You know, it's just like, Mr. Simpson, we found six dead bodies in your front yard. It couldn't have been me. You saw my Twitter post. I was watching the debates. I saw myself. (laughs) And O.J. doesn't realize how much power he has, right? Because if he really wanted to screw a candidate over, you realize all he'd have to do is endorse them, yeah? (laughs) He could just be like, I wouldn't be where I was today without my brother, Cory Booker. Everything I've done was because of you, Cory. No! Now, we don't know what O.J. thought of the debates, but we do know what President Trump thought of them last night because he tweeted his one-word takeaway, boring. (laughs) And I mean, yeah, let's be honest, everyone is boring, right, compared to him. (laughs) Yeah, he's the craziest dude on the planet. Asking Trump 
to weigh in on normal politicians is like asking heroin what it thinks of coffee, okay? <laughs> but he's not, and he's not totally wrong. He's not totally wrong. Last night's debate was fairly civil. And when tonight's debate started, it looked like it was gonna be more of the same. It even began the same. It was the same telenovela that we started last night. I want to say hello and good evening, buenas noches to uh, Mayor uh, Buttigieg. Buenas noches, gracias de invitarnos. Gusto en verlo, caballero. Ooh, Mayor Peter the Spanish. <laughs> hey! You know Beto O'Rourke was at home going, ay, Dios mío, these gringos are stealing my swag. <laughs> And I bet wherever Trump was, he was like, can we deport the Democrats? (laughs) So it started off the same. As for the topics, again, it seemed like it was gonna be more of the same. For instance, on taxes, the Democrats were pretty much on the same page. We can make massive cuts in the $1.6 trillion in tax loopholes out there, and I would be going about eliminating Donald Trump's tax cuts for the wealthy. On day one, I will repeal that tax bill that benefits the top 1% and the biggest corporations of America. Will you raise taxes for the middle class in the Sanders administration? Yes, they will pay more in taxes. Wow. Yeah, Bernie just said he's gonna raise taxes on the middle class. At a debate. That's not a popular opinion, and that's why I keep giving props to Bernie Sanders. He keeps it real. Right? A lot of politicians, like, they would lie. They'd be like, oh, no, and then they would raise it. But he gives it to you straight, which is great for a politician, horrible for a doctor. (laughs) Can you imagine, Bernie, you just come out and be like, your grandpa's not gonna make it. The cancer's got his balls. You might as well say (laughs) bye-bye right now. (laughs) Bye-bye. It's over. (laughs) And just like yesterday, Everyone was waiting to see if the unknowns would shock us with something that they said. But it turned out today, the unknowns were shocked when they got a chance to speak. Senator Bennett, you have said, quote, it's possible to write policy proposals that have no basis in reality. You might as well call them candy. Were you referring to any candidate or proposal in particular when you said that? Was that directed to me? Yes, that was your quote. That sounded like me. Thank you. It was you. I appreciate it. Oh, that was so adorable. <laughs> no, because, like, he's genuinely shocked that they said his name. He's like, was that for me? Was that... Because <laughs> that's the first time this has happened the whole campaign. You realize that? Yeah? He's like, wait, you guys can see me? You can... <laughs> I thought this whole time I was Bernie's imaginary friend. <laughs> now, one of the big topics tonight was health care. And the Democrats are aligned, but they have a range of opinions. It went all the way from Medicare for all right, with no private insurance to whatever Marion Williamson was talking about. (laughs) When tens of millions of people are prepared to stand up and tell the insurance companies and the drug companies that their day is gone, that healthcare is a human right, not something to make huge profits off. I'm against any Democrat who opposes, takes down Obamacare, and any Republican who wants to get rid of Obamacare. Let me turn this. We have to have a healthcare guarantee. If you're sick, you're seen, and in America, you never go broke because of it. I'll tell you one thing. It's really nice that we've got all these plans, but if you think we're gonna beat Donald Trump by just having all these plans, you got another thing coming. Because he didn't win by saying he had a plan. He won by simply saying, make America great again. Uh, what? <laughs> That's a pretty bold move for a candidate to say, I'm anti-plan, okay? <laughs> Like, with, like, her vibe, I was just waiting for her at some point to be like, we don't need a plan, my friends. Just give me one vial of CBD oil and our chakras will be aligned. 
at this point, night two seemed fairly chilled, but it didn't take long for people to remember that this is a race. Because we'll stop the greed of the insurance right. companies. On this issue, we have to think about how this affects real people and the reality of $5,000 deductible when they walk through those doors. That's what insurance companies are doing in America today. We're going to continue this discussion. I want us to put it in a myth about the candidates, please. Candidates, please. Who is dumb enough to engage with Bernie in a shouting match? You realize there were 10 people on stage shouting, and the moderators, and he outshouts them all. <laughs> yeah. He's like, that's right, and just wait until I turn on my mic. <laughs> so, things were really starting to heat up. But the action of the night, the thing everybody's gonna be talking about, really started when Eric Swalwell took the first shot at frontrunner Sleepy Joe. I was six years old when a presidential candidate came to the California Democratic Convention and said, it's time to pass the torch to a new generation of Americans. That candidate was then Senator Joe Biden. Joe Biden was right when he said it was time to pass the torch to a new generation of Americans 32 years ago. He's still right today. If we're gonna solve the issues of automation, pass the torch. If we're gonna solve the issues of climate chaos, pass the torch. If we're gonna solve the issue of student loan debt, pass the torch. If we're gonna end gun violence for families who are fearful of sending their kids to school, pass the torch. Vice President, would you like to sing a torch song? I would. <laughs> I'm still holding on to that torch. That's right, Biden is not letting go of that torch. Even though that torch is really uncomfortable and told Biden that it does not like the way that he's holding on to it, he's holding on to that torch. Oh, and just, by the way, it was really funny because Swalwell tried to use the same torch line on Bernie later in the debate, which totally failed, right? Because it's not gonna work on Bernie the same way. How are you gonna tell him to let go of the torch when he invented fire? It's not the same thing. <laughs> now, I don't know if it was Swalwell or if the sharks could just smell blood in the water. All I know is Biden had a target on his back and the way it started didn't even come from him. Right? It didn't come from him. It didn't come from Swalwell. No. Marianne Williamson, she was endorsing reparations. She was talking about race. And Kamala Harris was like, uh, the rest of you need to sit your asses down. I do not believe, I do not believe that the average American is a racist. But the average American is woefully undereducated about the history of race in the United States. Ms. Williamson, thank you very much. Vice President Biden, I'm gonna, we're gonna get to you. Hang on, we're gonna get to you. On stage, I would like to speak on the issue of race. You know, people always accuse black people of playing the race card, but that was the right time <laughs> to use the race card. Yeah. And by the way, for those asking, the race card is a real card, yes. I had one too, but I used it already to get a free Jamba Juice. Like, we have it for different reasons. <laughs> so the issue of race had now been brought up at the debates. And you might remember Biden had some problems with that last week when he seemed to be pro the relationships with segregationists and talking about how they were good people. 
So now that Kamala had the floor, she was gonna wipe it with Biden. And now direct this at Vice President Biden. Um, I do not believe you are a racist. And I agree with you when you commit yourself to the importance of finding common ground. But I also believe, and it's personal, and I was actually very, it was hurtful to hear you talk about the reputations of two United States senators who built their reputations and career on the segregation of race in this country. And it was not only that, but you also worked with them to oppose busing. And, you know, there was a little girl in California who was part of the second class to integrate her public schools. And she was bused to school every day. And that little girl was me. Holy shit. <laughs> she just pulled an M. Night Shyamalan. <laughs> she was black the whole movie. <laughs> I didn't see that coming. Did you see that coming? That moment was so brutal on Joe Biden, for the first time, I wanted to give him a massage. <laughs> and it didn't get any better from there. Do you agree today that you were wrong to oppose busing in America then? No, Do you agree? I did not oppose busing in America. What I opposed is busing ordered by the Department of Education. That's what I oppose. Well, I there did was not a failure of, of states to, to integrate no, public schools in America. I was part of the second the, class to integrate Berkeley, but, California public schools almost two decades after Brown v. Board of Education. Because your city council made that decision. It was a so local decision. So that's where the federal government must step now, in. That's why we have the Voting Rights Act and the Civil Rights Act. That's why we need to pass the Equality Act. That's why we need to pass the ERA, because that's there are moments in history where states fail to preserve the civil rights of I all people. Support. Isn't this the part where someone's supposed to throw in a towel? Isn't that how this works? <laughs> Yo, because at this point, Kamala was bussing Biden right out of the debate. She was killing it. <laughs> Everything she said made sense. She was connecting with the crowd. She had him, and Biden, like, he, he seemed like he was angry. He wasn't looking at her. He wasn't connecting. I didn't even know if he was, like, messed up in his mind. All I know is, all I know is, Biden wasn't having a good time. Seriously, Biden hasn't had such an intense standoff with a black woman since Michelle caught him sneaking a Big Mac to Barack. This hasn't <laughs> happened to him in a long time. And that moment there with Kamala, that's why you have to love black women. Yeah, you have to love them. You think they've forgotten what you did. <laughs> and out of nowhere, they will spring that shit. My mom would do that shit to me all the time. She'd be like, Trevor, you remember that food you stole in 1991? I'd be like, no, mommy! And you could tell Biden was pissed. You could tell that he was shook. You could tell that this had become Kamala Harris's night. Because Joe Biden did something that no one on that debate stage has ever done. He cut himself off. I'm the guy that extended the Voting Rights Act for 25 years. We got to the place where we got 98 out of 98 votes in the United States Senate doing it. I've also argued very strongly that we, in fact, deal with the notion of denying people access to the ballot box. I agree that everybody, once they, in fact, they Anyway, my time's up. I'm sorry. Thank you, Vice President. Yeah. After Kamala did uh, what she did to you tonight, Joe Biden, uh, your time might be up. We'll be right back.
MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My guest tonight is the former governor of Vermont who ran for president and also served as chair of the Democratic Party. Please welcome Howard Dean. Welcome back to the show. It has been a while since you've been on and uh, what a race this has turned into. The debates started off fairly civil and then, I mean, the action really kicked off. Is this good or bad for the Democrats as someone who is basically... Running, you know, as part of running the race. I actually, first of all, I think it's great, and second of all, I think the debate is pretty civil compared to what the Republicans were discussing—the size of what four years ago. So you mean dick uh, size? Well, I was. <laughs> that's what it was. I that's this what, was that's a family what it was. show here. Yeah. I just, yeah, yeah, families have dicks. It was dick size. That's what it was. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, you. So, so, so you're happy when you see a debate like this? Yeah, when you I see... thought it was a damn good debate. Right. Really what makes did. it a good debate, in your opinion? Uh, first of all, I think Kamala did great. I think actually Biden did pretty well defending himself. Um, I thought the pa- the pass the torch to the next generation from swell. I mean, I think there was a lot of people who got pieces of information out there right. that nobody knew anything about. When you, when you look at the debates on that stage and, and, and you approach this as somebody who has been in charge of running, uh, you know, the DNC's machine, you are looking at a debate as doing what? What are you hoping emerges from a debate? Uh, a, a bunch of things. First of all, it gives the candidates visibility. Um, the next president of the United States was on the show these, one of these two nights. Right. Uh, but we don't know who it is. And there's a lot of talent low down on the totem pole that, that's at 1% or 2% right now. I do think two or three of them are going to emerge and challenge the, the more established people. Second of all, the policy is good. Third of all, this was a little better last night than it was tonight. I don't think this debate is going to be about whacking Trump. Trump will do that to himself every time he... No, I'm serious. If we're talking about Trump three weeks before the election, we lose. Trump will remind us every day that we don't like it. We need to be talking about the stuff that we're talking about tonight. Uh, how we're going to do Medicare, how we're going to do poli- uh, health education, right. how we're going to do health care. Right. When you, when you look at the debates as a, as a whole, I mean, you have an unprecedented number of people running, yep. right? And, I mean, to the point where you had to cut people off and still have 20 on a debate stage over two nights. Are you hoping that this is now going to weed some people out so that people can start focusing on, on the true possible uh, contenders for I, the presidential race? I think it's race? a little early to start weeding people out. They'll weed themselves out. Look, this is a... It just takes a lot of money to do this. It's going to cost at least $20 million to do the Iowa caucuses alone. That's wow. a lot of money that you have to raise, and I don't think all 20 of those folks, plus the five that didn't get on the stage, are going to be able to raise that money. Right. So as we get closer, you'll see a few people drop out. After Iowa, you'll see a lot of people drop out, or, or, or they'll be dropped out because mm-hmm. they. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, but although I think because of the size of the field and frankly the talent in the field, I think you're going to see a lot more people survive the first four primaries than you would have in most other years. Right. I think actually California may be the maybe the big place that people really start to coalesce around a single nominee. When you look at that single nominee, one of the things that always sticks out to me is how 
The race was run. It seemed like it was going to be civil. And by the end of it, there was a deep fracture between Hillary and Bernie, both supporters going at each other, feeling right. like the other was doing the other wrong. You look at today's debates. You have, as in your opinion, a good show of, of, of passion. Kamala coming out with her right. opinions, Joe Biden defending himself with his record. But at the same time, there's always the risk that this will create a rift within the party. It's, how do you, how do you manage possible. that? Here's, you don't. The voters manage it. And here's a really good piece of information. This comes from Nate Silver, who I consider to be really the best sort of sorcerer of polls because he puts them all together. So the number one criteria for Democratic voters this time is beating Trump. That means they'll vote for support anybody as long as they can beat Trump, whoever the right. nominee is. The number two criteria is usually the number one criteria was I'd like somebody like me or my values to be the person for the... It's two to one. Twice as many Democrats want to beat Donald Trump as care deeply about which of the candidate wins. That's a really good sign. Now, we have to keep it up for another 16, 18 months, but right. it's a really good sign. So when you look at a debate like tonight's and you look at the, the, the previous debate, um, what do you think can be improved from the moderator side? What do you think can be improved from the debate side for Americans who have to actually engage in the policy that may decide who becomes the next president? We do need to figure out how to narrow the field without cheating people out of their, their opportunity. Mm -hmm. And that, that's going to have to be done by voters and by public opinion. Right. It's just, I, I actually thought these, I thought it was pretty well managed by the moderators these two nights with 10 people. That's a big number. And I thought they did a pretty good job. Um, but it, clearly, eventually, you're going to want to get down to four or five or six. When you look at that four, five, or six, you get to that stage of the race. You are someone who's in a unique position because you have also run for president. Every time I talk to people, they go, man, we lost something in that dude. They go, like, that one sound effect changed American history forever. <laughs> And, and, and you... you mean, are you referring to the I have a scream speech? <laughs> yes, I'm... <laughs> but, I mean, it was, it was one moment. And... And you, you, you look at that now. <laughs> yeah. You look at that now. You look at that now. Do, do you think that maybe you can become a cautionary tale to Democrats and voters out there and being like, hey, don't get thrown off by the tiny thing. Focus on the prize. No, I mean, the truth is we didn't lose because of the I have a scream speech. We, I came in third in Iowa. I was leading going into the, into the caucuses, and mm -hmm. I came in third. You can't do that. That's what happened to Hillary in 2008, and that's how Obama won. Um, so, you know, we had a lot of trouble. I, I was not, I'm not a very well-disciplined candidate, which, of course, was a lot of fun. By I, that day's standards. By today, yeah, you're like the calmest person I know. Yes. well-behaved. <laughs> I was, you know, I was also running as an insurgent against the Democratic Party, right. which I didn't actually realize at the time. But they right. had all voted for the Iraq War. They had all voted for the tax, Bush's tax cuts. And I didn't think that was the right thing to do. But so that, that's the big well, thing Here's an interesting you. phenomenon that happens as you get closer and closer to the election. As you get closer and closer to the election, Democratic voters want to take less and less risk. And they will go with somebody they are pretty sure is more establishment and might right. be able to. So that's one of the reasons that Kerry... One, But the truth was, I wasn't a well-organized candidate, and I said a lot of things that were true, but you don't always have to tell the truth 100% of the time. Well, we'll see politics. if uh, Bernie agrees with that, because he's going with the opposite. Kamala's coming with flames. Thank you so much for being on the My show. Pleasure. Wonderful having you here. Howard Dean, everybody. Thank you so much. The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and the Comedy Central app. Watch full episodes and videos at thedailyshow.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And subscribe to The Daily Show on YouTube for exclusive content and more.
This has been a Comedy Central podcast. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts.